Welcome to the Autonomy Talent Podcast, where we feature creatives, discuss what they do, what they do to promote their creative endeavors, and try to come up with new methods that might boost their results and yours. We'll also have the occasional industry expert here to talk about what's new in digital marketing. So enjoy the show and remember to always live intentionally. Okay, we're recording now. Um, everybody, I'm, I'm terribly sorry, but you just missed probably about the, one of the best 15, 20 minutes worth of podcast I've ever recorded. So. <laughs> That's the way it someone, goes. Someone forgot to hit the record button here. I'm not going to name any names, but initials are Bill Gowick, But <laughs> Anyway, meet Brad. Brad Munn, he's a musician, been at it for 25 years or so in the Pennsylvania area. We've already covered all this, so I'm just trying to give you the brief rundown here, because <laughs> I don't want to make Brad have to repeat it all. That's oh. a, you know, I don't know if I could repeat it all to be honest with you, but I know, but I can, uh, you know, I can still talk uh, to to what I talked about, I believe. And hello, everybody. I am Brad Mon. I, I actually been playing since I was 12. I'm 45 now, so that's you know, I think that's over what 30 some years of, of playing. Uh, here in this town where I live, which is near Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, uh, you know, I was sneaking into the local bars, and, and we were just talking about open mics. Uh, one of our local bars here in town called Pappy's Pub, every Wednesday they would have a, a live open mic with the whole band get up type of thing, and I'd always bring my guitar, sit in the corner so I wouldn't get really noticed, and put my name on the list and get up and jam at the bar. That worked out for a few months till they figured out I wasn't old enough to be in there, and <laughs> I got booted out. But the, that and uh, we have a hardware store in this town that actually have live music on Friday nights, and they actually still do it too. And the place is called Beck and Benedicts, um, and that was also one of the t- places I got to kind of cut my teeth on performing live. You know, when you're first starting to do it, you're a little nervous and get up there and think, oh, man, I'm going to be able to pull this off in front of these people. And the, the bar is not so hard if you can drink. You can get a little bit of alcohol in you and let it roll. But if you're playing someplace where you can't do that, which Beck and Benedict's, yeah, they don't have that there. So, uh, But after all these years, yeah, I'm very comfortable with playing. Um, I don't get really nervous at all. Just get up there and do it, you know. Um and I think I was telling you a little bit earlier, Bill, that uh, at this point, I don't really go looking for gigs. They kind of find me. And um, I just were here a little bit earlier, right before we started this uh, podcast, I got a contact by a friend of mine who played in a previous band with me asking if I could sit in on a gig with them, you know. So that happens. Uh, I do a lot of solo work. I play... Uh, a nylon string guitar. I'm a big Willie Nelson fan, actually. And you guys, you're in Texas there, so that's that's Willie's home ground right there. <laughs> yes, um, it is. 
Yeah, he plays a festival here in Fort Worth like every year on the 4th of July. He has for decades. Yeah, I've seen Willie a bunch of times, a bunch of times. I, I just I really enjoy his playing and the turn of his guitar. And, and some people don't like his voice, but I do, you know. Um, I always did. I missed a chance. I have never seen Willie, oddly enough, but um, I missed a chance just uh, last year. Um, it was last about right about a year ago now. Uh, Billy Gibbons and his side project. I don't even remember what it's called now. Um, they came to Billy Bob's Texas here. It's a big old world famous honky tonk place over here, and uh, went to see that with a bu- couple buddies of mine. And while we were there, they were pitching the fact that Willie was gonna be there the next weekend. I was like, what the hell? So we were gonna come back the next weekend, but then like I don't know, none of us thought about it to buy the tickets, so we, it kind of came and went and we didn't make it but you know how that goes oh yeah, yeah life gets in the way yeah man life life musicians out there life will get in your way <laughs> if you're if you're young don't let it get in your way if you really have that ambition and you want to get out there and do things uh we were just talking that um you can you can play every night of the week if you want to. You know, if there's cities around you, they don't sleep. There's places to play. Uh, I live kind of central between Philly, Pittsburgh, D.C., Baltimore, and New York City. Um, if I so chose, I, I guarantee you that I could get a gig in one of them cities every night. Um, and you could make decent money, too. I mean, really good money. And probably wouldn't have to play nearly as long as what I have to do in this little small town I play. And sometimes I'm doing four hour gigs, you know, <laughs> by myself. Uh, and that's fine. I, heck, I never run out of songs. I have plenty of songs to play uh, and I enjoy doing it. They compensate me decently for it, you know, so there's, and something I enjoy doing. So, you know, what that's more awesome. can you ask? Yeah. It's all about doing what you love, man. I mean, just it, that's that's what it's about. It's being happy. Do what you, it is do what you enjoy being, and be happy. You know, uh, and I think uh, probably a lot of people could uh, relate to what I'm going to say. Is there some places that want you to play for free? <laughs> you know, and uh, they expect. I don't know why they expect it out of us musicians. Like it because it is something that we enjoy doing or love doing. But it seems like we get the short end of that stick every once in a while. I mean, I've seen a lot of creatives get that. People just don't understand the people who are not creative don't understand the creative process and the work that goes into it. I was just having the same exact conversation with an artist. Uh, like a, she's a graphic artist and uh, um, illustrator and whatnot. Just earlier today about how people are always wanting stuff for free or for real cheap. I was like, yeah, but you've got to know your value. You can't just be doing free work for anybody unless it's someone really big who can, you know, put you on. You get some exposure yeah. off of it. Then by yeah. all means, but if it's just Joe Blow down the street that wants some cheap work out of you, no, my work costs this. That's I've got a great. friend of mine who's a tattoo artist that gets that all the time. People trying to hit him up for a discount. And he's like. Do you understand the hours that it takes to do this and the hours it took me to get to the level where I can do this? You know, you're not paying for the piece of artwork. You're paying for the artist's vision and his ability to perform that art, yeah, whether that's it's right. physical art or a music, music or whatever. And as a musician, you know how much money you put into your gear and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's not like 
it's not like you're just showing up for your job and using what they have. You're bringing your stuff. You know what I mean? You're bringing your tools and, um, yep. and you know, they, they just, they don't always see that. Some of them do, you know, there's some places that I play that there's no, I mean, going in, you know what you're getting paid most of the time, but yeah, still charities. I don't mind doing for free, you know, well, of course, um, Almost yeah. any of them that yeah. I get offered, I would take up and do for free. Um, but yeah, uh, that's something that seems like it happens a lot. Is in, in, and I get the part that it's something you love doing. And you, I guess if you're independently rich, that's not a big deal then, you know? I don't know. But um, yeah, for a working musician, man, don't sell yourself short. Uh, you know, I guess in the beginning you might have to play some shows for at a lower price or whatever. But you know, if you draw a good crowd, things went well. Make sure next time you go back that you kind of push that up to to what you're worth. You know. Absolutely. Um, I mean, and and some of the previous bands I played in, uh, we've packed places to where, I mean, we had people dancing on tables, and the bar workers couldn't get to the tables to make them get down. It was so packed. You know. Um, and we played that night for not all that much money and we seen the bartenders counting out tips that were more than what we got paid, um, collectively. And when we asked for more money next time, they turned us down. Well, we didn't play there again, you know, um, it was a good time. We had a blast, but I mean, there are always other venues. Yeah, that's right. And so we just didn't play back there again. And. I mean, all they would have taken was a little bit more. You know, we weren't asking for an outrageous amount or anything. Just, hey, you know, we had six people in our band, and uh, it's just like to make a little bit more for our what we contributed, you know. I mean, we know. Like I said, we saw the bartenders counting out more money than we all made collectively for themselves and tips, you know. Um, Damn. So, you know, just, uh, just a thing there. Um, but... I also, at, at the time, I, right now, I currently have a couple projects going on. I have a jazz duo, so that's me and another fella. His name is uh, Brian Shermeyer. He's got a master's degree in music. Uh, he plays mainly keyboards, um, and so he plays keyboards, and I play electric guitar. And it's kind of like a what, what I consider a jazz fusion type of thing, so we'll take We'll take some classic rock songs and kind of make them our own in, in a jazzy way. And we'll do some Pat Metheny and stuff like that. And we'll even do some Grateful Dead because I'm a deadhead. I'm a big fan of Dead. Matter of fact, I took Brian Shermeyer uh, last July to his first Grateful Dead concert. Oh, wow. <laughs> this fellow's retired, you know, so he's gone through all his life. Only hearing like uh, Truckin' and Casey Jones and stuff like that, you know, the stuff you might hear every once in a while on the radio. Right. To uh, sitting, in the, <laughs> sitting in the middle of a it was Dead & Company. I still call it Grateful Dead, but it's Dead & Company with John Mayer, who is, you know, amazing guitar player altogether and an amazing musician. And uh, so he got to taste that, and it kind of helped build our music repertoire, I guess. Um also, he had taken me to see Chick Corea. Uh, he took uh, me to see Jeff Beck. That was really cool. I mean, of course, I was a fan of Jeff 
Beck already, you know. Love Jeff Beck, but uh, it, it was pretty cool. So him and I do this jazz duo. We wanted to add a drummer, but we just really couldn't seem to find anybody in the area that had the time to rehearse with us. And that wouldn't just play straight rock, you know, that could actually play a little bit of jazz. Like, we don't mind the rock stuff in there a little bit, but we wanted them to have the ability to kind of play some jazz, too. And we just really couldn't seem to locate anybody. And when we did find somebody, we couldn't make the times work, you know. So so we kind of ditched, ditched that for now. And then I've just started up another uh, string band type of thing. It's called uh, West Branch 3. So in this area where I live at, we have the Antietam Creek um, that runs into the Potomac River. Uh, a lot of the Civil War and stuff like that was fought around the creek. It runs kind of along the Mason-Dixon area line and all that stuff. Um, my buddy, another Brian, Brian Lutz, uh, he's been playing claw hammer banjo uh, and he plays guitar also i started playing guitar with this fella back whenever we were both 12 years old you know doing metallica slayer all that stuff you know we him and i we were both big metalheads jumping bikes over ramps stuff like that uh and it's ironic that he's been attending the open mic that i host uh every other wednesday night here in, in waynesboro here where i live at a place, it's our community music center called Music Makers. Um, and then we just decided to, hey, let's get together and, and jam after all these years. And so we did that, and, uh, you know, it sounded pretty good. So we recorded something, put it on Facebook, you know, got a lot of people saying, oh, hey, that's pretty cool. And then I have another friend who I've also jammed with for years and years and years, and uh, or I started jamming with years back, and, and then we kind of didn't really jam, just hung out and drank beer every once in a while. Well, he happened to have an upright bass, so we pulled him into the mix. And so we have a trio, and uh, the Antietam happens to run right behind my buddy Brian's house where we, we rehearse. So it's actually the West Branch of the Antietam. So we went with uh, the West Branch 3. And... So as that kind of comes together and we get more stuff rolling, you can look us up on Facebook if you want, West Branch 3. Um, you'll kind of see our progress. We're not quite ready at playing out level. Um, we have about 20 songs down. We want to get at least 30 um, before we decide to play out anywhere. Uh, but that's going to be really exciting, really cool. I'm, I'm happy about it. and I know those two guys are stoked. We've been having a blast every other Friday night. We get together and rehearse, um, and we just have a really good time. Um, so I can't wait for that. Sounds like fun, fun time for all. Oh man, it's just awesome. And we even do like a Misfits song. Uh, oh wow, Goals. Have you ever heard that song? I want your skull. I need your skull. But uh, it's really interesting to hear Misfits uh, <laughs> being played on all acoustic instruments. And, you know, one of those instruments is a banjo. <laughs> wow. So, well, I've heard a lot of stuff like that. I've heard like a, there's a band, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but they've been, they've popped up on Facebook a lot. They're, they do like bluegrass covers of like 
ACDC and different stuff like that. And then there's bands like Metalachi who do like mariachi versions of like Black Sabbath songs and stuff like that. So, yeah, it you can do just about anything you want with it, man. It's the, yeah. There's so much to be done out there and so much – there's a market for it. If you like it, you bet your ass somebody else likes it too, and there's a market for it out there. Yeah, that, that's true. There is. There's a market out there for everything. And, and I see a lot of the things you post about, you know, how to be marketable and stuff like that. And I'll tell you what, I have some friends that are – excellent at that marketing stuff i mean and they can make anything work you know uh, i'm okay at it if i you know the more time you have to put into it the better it, it can be i don't feel like i always have that type of time you know um, some people hire people to do that you know agencies and stuff like that of course they're going to take some of your money <laughs> yeah uh, i've kind of done things independently all my life um, and I enjoy that. And I think uh, we, you and I were talking earlier that, you know, earlier in my life, I, I may have had some ambitions of wanting to be a rock star or something like that, you know, but at, I'm 45 now. And at 45, I'm kind of happy I'm not, especially especially when I see how, you know, some of the lives and stuff, the way they have to live, you know, after the fame and money. and Yep. And, you know, I mean. For instance, take Motley Crue for for instance. You know, I, I love that band back whenever I was a teenager, and, and yeah, still, in middle school, yeah. They still kind of hold a part of me when I hear it. You know, I'm like, all right, that's great. But then I start thinking about, my gosh, they ran into that fame right, you know, while they were teenagers, pretty much. And so they really have no idea what regular life is like. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. They never had to live a regular life. They, they, they were partying hard from their teenage years on and never like, I mean, if they'd ever had a, any of them that had real jobs at any point in time, it was something they like worked at a record store or fast food or something for a little while. They never had to go nine to five for decades like a lot of us do. So yeah. They have no concept of what that type of a life is like. And I can't fault them for that. If I'd have had the opportunity when I was that age, I would have done it too. Yeah. Well, and just think about it back then, you know, in L.A., whenever the scene that they were in started hitting, it was coming off the punk thing, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, the record producers were just looking for something new and they found them with that, you know. And uh, so where we talk about paying dues, I don't know if they had to pay a whole lot of dues themselves. I think they did it while they were doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, they they paid their dues along the way. Well, yeah. I actually just it's funny that you bring them up because I just watched that movie The Dirt again yeah. over I'd seen it before, but I watched it again over the weekend just like 2 or 3 days ago. Yeah, that, it's a crazy movie, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> kind of really puts it in perspective. And and maybe some of it was blown out of proportion, I don't know, you know, exaggerated, I'm not sure. But I remember seeing the crew, I think it was back in uh, 89 or something like that. And uh, I was I was a teenager then, and I lived in Maine. So I lived in Maine for a few years, too. So I moved away from where I'm at now up to Maine, did a couple years in high school up there, and then came back here. And then I moved back to Maine, and I came back here again. I just wasn't sure where I wanted to be, you know. Uh, so I have actually a lot of folks up there that I used to play music with, and man, we had some really good times. Um, 
But yeah, when I saw the crew in Old Orchard Beach, Maine, my God, that was that was a a really good time. They were they were right on, you know. I hear some people making fun of the way Vince sings now and stuff like that. And, or there's like a YouTube thing where he's not doing the greatest or something like that. But my yeah, God, I've seen those videos. Belt that stuff out at his age now, I couldn't even imagine it. But <laughs> right. But I can tell you this: in 1989, they were on fire. You know. <laughs> they were. I, I remember them like when I was in middle school. That would have been like 84. I mean, like way early on when that was, their first album was out. And I think it wasn't Shout at the Devil their first one. I think. Uh, uh, too fast for love. Yeah, too fast for love. That was it, man. That was way back in the day. Yeah, and you can hear like the little bit of punk remnants in that. You know what I mean? When you listen to that, too fast for love. It was just coming out of that into something, you know. Well, that's more- a lot of that's because the way they wrote their songs. Like uh, I've heard uh, Nikki Six talk about like some of their songs. Like um, I think it was the title track, "Too Fast for Love," was actually. A, I think it was a lover boy song that they just reversed the melody. They played it backwards and that's it. That was, that was, the, that was the melody of the song. I was like, <laughs> that's crazy, isn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I'm in kind of a unique spot here myself. Cause I'm, you know, I was just an amateur plinking around in my bedroom for years and years. And I've only recently actually started or gotten into a band. I started one band and, it didn't last because, you know, normal stuff, drummer that can't show up and bass player that moved out of state. So that kind of hinders things a bit. But then I got to look and I found a band and I've joined them and was is all original rock music. But um, learning the songs, got getting them down pretty well, getting about ready to start booking some gigs pretty soon when our bass player got transferred for work, I had to move down to Houston. So. We're down a bass player now, and so I'm the only guitar player in the band, so it's like, oh yeah, we're there's only three of us at this point, a singer, a guitarist, and a drummer. So we were trying to look for a new bass player, working on getting our uh, our recording stuff um, system set up in there so we could actually record some demos and stuff. We didn't really have the recordings they had for me to work off of to learn the music were where somebody had taken their phone with the like little voice recorder and set it down in the middle of the practice room while they were while they were jamming, and re- that's the recordings I had to work off of. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's a little difficult. When you're playing in all drop C tuning and stuff, and it's just like trying to figure out what was going on was a little on the difficult side. <laughs> and yeah. not even another guitar player there to show you anything, so the bass player would kind of you know help me out as much as he could. But Yeah, well, we you probably came up with some of your own rendition of... Of course, yeah. Yeah. They, most, so most of them kind of like took on a little different feel with me playing, but then... In October, a massive round of tornadoes came through the Dallas area, did like a record for the state of Texas, over $6 billion in damages. Wow. And I'm, part of that was our practice studio. I remember you uh, stating that, too. Um, yeah. You, you know, I think your equipment was all right. Was, was your equipment all right? Yeah, all of our gears was fine. Our stuff got a little wet. Our building was damaged, but not significantly. The one across from us was a complete loss. It was completely caved in. Um. But yeah, all of our gear is fine. We've been just waiting on them to rebuild it, and we've been on hiatus ever since. And wow. we had a band meeting about two weeks ago on a Tuesday night, actually about two weeks ago tomorrow. And uh, we sat down. We got a, the old bass player from before, the the guy that I knew. Um, 
he's decided to come back and join us. And their old guitar player, like three guitar players ago, he's coming back too. So now we've got a me on rhythm and him on lead and bass players. Now we've just suddenly jumped to a five piece and we don't even have a place to practice. So <laughs> we're hopeful that next month it'll be a back and back on track. Yeah. And the great thing is that I'm not really trying to get too serious, but I'm wanting to get enough under my belt that I can kind of guide my daughter along because my daughter's a drummer and she's only 12 now, but she has aspirations to, of like being in a touring band and such. So that, that's what she wants to do. So if nice. I can get, you know, that's half of why I'm building autonomy is because I want to build the machine. Basically I wanted to build the agency that I would want for my band. Yeah. Then I can have that machine to help, kick off my daughter when she gets to that point and help others along the way. So. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, you know, we need stuff like that out there, really. I mean, well, well, for one, a lot of these agencies and people, you, you just don't know who to trust, you know? And mm -hmm. uh, I've had friends tell me that, oh, hey, my daughter went down to Nashville, you know? I'm like, oh, well, that's great. Here, I've heard stories about Nashville before, you know, like, well, you, it's hard to make any money in Nashville as a musician because everybody's down there trying to get discovered. Yep. And, you know, so so a little bit later, it might have been a couple of years down the line, I run into that same person again. And they start telling me that their daughter doesn't even sing anymore. And I'm like, well, why not? And they said, well, because she signed with this agent who in the contract takes nearly all the money that this person earns. Uh, for every show that she plays, you know, doesn't matter if he lines it up or not. It's in the contract that any show she plays that he gets a certain amount of money. So she just stopped playing shows, you know, until the contract ends. Uh, just shady, shifty stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, people, you know, you got to be careful out there. Uh, but there are some folks that, you know, probably do have a decent deal that you can go along with and uh so even the big record labels are shady and they always kind of have been but because and i i get the the way how it worked out back in the day because the economics were there they could they pay for everything up front even give the bands a giant advance you know and and yeah. th but then they own all the music indefinitely you know you might get a chance 20 25 30 years later to purchase the rights to your own music back but yeah. they own it and th they own it so that they can make up back all that ass loads of money that they were that they pumped out yeah. in the beginning so yeah those economics just don't work like that today though that's so it could yeah. be because once you've got where you don't have physical copies of music being sold the economics ch completely changed mm-hmm and now they've changed again since you've gone from downloads to mostly all streaming. And it wasn't quite as drastic of a change, but it's still a significant change. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and I, I see some good and I see some bad, you know, in that. Um, it just is what it is. You just, it's, yeah. That's what the market has deemed that they want to do. That they want, you know, That's what the marketplace has decided. So you just have to adjust to it. Yeah, and to be honest with you, like, I don't even know if I'll ever – put out another cd you know what i mean like oh yeah well, why would you they're obsolete i you know i think the next uh, thing i put out might be on well of course it'll be i'll put it on itunes and all that stuff you know spotify but i think flash drives are the way to go if you're playing out and you want somebody to 
take their music, you know. I mean, heck, my car has USB ports in it, you know what I mean? It doesn't even have a CD player or anything like that. It's just a USB port or Bluetooth, you know. Yeah, mine has all of it. It has a CD player also, but it has the USB. It has it even has a slot in there for an SD card and AV jet, AV inputs and everything. Yeah, it's just crazy how time goes by and how things become obsolete. And I think I read somewhere that this was the first year that vinyl sales outdid CDs. <laughs> That's like crazy, the, but it's not surprising. Yeah, I mean, I have a record player and I buy some vinyl myself, you know, but. I don't know. That's just, yeah, that's crazy, you know. I haven't had a record player in many years now, but I've been considering getting a new one as of late. I don't know. It's been like a year I've been kicking around the idea of it, and I still haven't pulled the trigger on it. But I, I could go to, like, within a 15-minute drive from where I'm at, I can be at 20 different stores that sell vinyl. Yeah, well, my ex-wife, she actually uh, bought me a, a record player before we got divorced. Uh, and... As we were getting divorced, she happened to find a big box of records along the side of the street and brought them to me. You know? Oh, wow. Um, but, yeah, I have a record store here in town. It's called Rest in Peace Records. Uh, the guy's been in this area forever. I remember being a little kid and going into a store and, you know, checking out the Alice Cooper albums and stuff like that. And, um, but, yeah, I go to his shop, and it's just weird because we've gotten so used to buying the songs that we like, you know what I mean? Buying that one single song and not really listening to the rest of the album, I, you know, um, that when I started buying some of these records, like I'm actually discovering brand new to me, Merle Haggard songs, you know? <laughs> wow. So I buy the album that has a title track of a song that I had heard before because I had purchased just that one song, you know? And now I put this whole album on and, it's like five or six songs that I've never, ever heard before. So that's kind of the cool thing about going back with vinyl. And, of course, people will tell you that, that uh, all the digital stuff, a lot of it has lost format. So you're not really hearing all the music, you know. Yeah. Uh, when you're listening to a, a vinyl album, you're you're hearing everything that was put into it. So. Yeah, I it, it dawned on me here recently that like my daughter will never have that sensation like I have all the time still where you you hear a song and as it's ending your brain automatically tries to start playing the next song off the album. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> She'll never know that experience because yeah. she won't listen to them. She doesn't consume them that way. So yeah, yeah, nobody does hardly even us. Oh, I know. Don't yeah. Really do. I have actually made a point to do it once in a while. Like when I find a, a new band or um, like a, some bands that I like have a new album come out, I try to sit and listen to the entire album front to back just so I get a feel for the whole thing, as, you know, the work, the piece of work as a whole. Yeah. Now that's cool, man. I, you know, I, a lot of people uh, talk to, they're telling me what they're listening to now or this and that. And I'm like, you know what? I don't really listen to music much anymore, except for what I play, you know, and not that I think that my music is all that's, it's not like that or anything. It's just like, I don't know. I don't live very far from my regular job. So, you know, I guess that kind of pops into why, you know, if you were driving far, you might listen to a whole album or something like that. <laughs> 
But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't listen to a whole lot of new stuff, and I kind of wish I would. You know, I wish there were some new stuff coming in that I could have listened to sometimes. That's probably uh, my, my biggest downfall. I, I've really been trying to make a point to discover new stuff, especially in the last six months or so. But, like, I, I started a new a Facebook group and threw a bunch of friends in there. Well, I invited them, but they're all people that I know that are into music that – all have different tastes there's like guys that are into jazz there's there's one dude that listens to mostly like con- christian contemporary music there's uh, a couple of other metal heads in there and such and we all just we hear a new artist and we come posted in there in the group for everybody to hear oh that's really cool uh i can say my buddy uh brian Shermeyer, the one i have the the jazz fusion duo with uh in our our group is called the Nerd Riders, by the way. I don't think I said that earlier. Uh, he has been turning me on to stuff that I hadn't listened to before, just as I had been turning him on to some of the Grateful Dead and stuff like that. So so I guess uh, maybe I am lying a little bit. I've been listening to some stuff, but not nearly as much as I want to or used to, you know? Right. I hear you. Again, you know, like life gets in the way. Yeah, it would just be great to get in the car and, and take a long trip and just put something in and listen to it, you know, from front to end, and that would be awesome. I don't really get to do that anymore. Um, so, yeah. Um, what else was I talking about earlier? Uh, uh, the bluegrass band I was in years back, the Burrow Boogie Pickers, was that whenever we weren't recording? Uh, we got that on re- on re- on record. So. Okay, <laughs> so I don't want to tell the story again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want people to have to listen to it twice. But I, yeah, what a good time that was! My gosh, man. Uh, um, I had something else I wanted to ask you. No, I just I just blanked on what it was. So it must not have been too important. <laughs> well, uh, I'm trying to think when my next gig is. By the way, I, I co-parent, so. Same. Uh, I I kind of try to make sure that I don't dig into the time that I have with my my kid. You know. Yes, uh, I know that very well. And uh, so you'll hear me often say I do this biweekly or every two weeks or whatever, you know, just like the open mic that I'm going to host this coming Wednesday. The reason I do it every two weeks is because on the other week I have my son. Um, The gig that the fellow was asking me about, that's actually a weekend that I have my son. And sometimes, you know, depending on what kind of gig it is and, and uh, maybe what the the ex might have going on, we might work something out where I'll have him on a different day. But that's actually getting close to his birthday, so I don't, you know, that's why I just straight up told him that I can't do that one. Um, and so I I pretty much play as much as I want to without interfering with my son. Um, and I I think that's a pretty cool thing. Um, I don't, I don't really think I'd want to play any more than that, but, uh, the types of shows that I play, the solo ones, uh, at this point are, I play wineries, um, 
I'll be doing, we just had a brewery open up downtown here called Rough Edges, and they're going to have their grand opening on March 21st. I'll be playing there for that, uh, along with my good friend Blaine Phoebus. Uh, we're not sure which order it's going to happen yet. Like, he might play an hour, I'll play an hour, he plays an hour, and then I play an hour. Something like that. There would be good beer there, so I don't mind hanging out, you know. <laughs> um, the stuff like that. Uh, summertime parties start happening. Get booked for a lot of parties. We have a uh, we have art galleries here in town, and we have a a uh, community music center. And every Friday night they have music, so we'll get booked in there at times. Um, we have a park that's called rent through park it's uh like an outdoor setting type of thing they'll have a concert thing that goes on there every week throughout the summer it's called the summer concert series um my buddy brian and i were booked there um in june of course i have some concerts that i like to go to and see so i lay some time aside for that and don't book during them I'm actually a music practitioner, too, uh, and what a music practitioner is, is I'm certified to play music for patients, uh, people who are ill, sick, uh, even even passing on. Um, so I, I got that certification through uh, MHTP, Music for Healing Transition Program. Um, took me about two years to complete that program, get certified. Uh, so I play what we call therapeutic music uh, to help people relax, uh, help and train them. So, you know, if their heart rates are going too fast or whatever to help slow that stuff down a little bit. Uh, and people who might be in the actively dying uh, play some music to kind of help them move, move on. You know, that's tough for some people to do. They got things they're attached to here. They don't want to go, you know, um, wow. so yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty crazy thing. And I have to say that through my training with that has kind of gave me a whole nother atmosphere of music playing, whether it's even performing or doing that, um, it's done, it's definitely changed me and done something different to, to me playing wise and as a musician and as I can a imagine, so, um, I've seen some pretty crazy things happen while playing for patients that I never expected. Good things, you know, not not like crazy bad or anything like that. But um, uh, so, if any of the musicians out there are listening uh, or interested in anything like that, you should check out mhtp.org, um, and they have, you know, of course, there's a fee to get trained. But uh, it's recognized as a board of directors and all that stuff. And uh, not every place embraces, you know, therapeutic music. Uh, Some places think, well, why would I hire somebody to do this when I could just hit play on a CD player or something? But it's not the same. Uh, When you're playing live music for a patient, you can alter it to meet that patient's needs at the time. You know, and you can't do that with with a CD, you know, it it can't change its rhythm because something might need to slow down or, or you might need to let a note hang for a little while, you know, to help 
de-stress somebody and stuff like that. And, um, so yeah, it's that's a pretty cool thing, especially if you're a musician that's getting older and getting out of the game, and you're looking for another place to go with your music. I think it's a really cool thing to do. So very much so. I have a friend of mine who's a painter, and uh, she's looking at starting opening a shop. Um, or she sells her art or artwork out of it. She does other stuff with like crystals and such, but she uh, also wanted to start doing an, an art therapy. Oh, yeah. A little similar to what you're talking about, but painting and such and bringing patients in, letting them paint or maybe do remote things once in a while too. But um, I, I was talking to her about, you know, incorporating a music therapy along with that. So like maybe she could lease out an area that people could come in and do a music therapy session once a month or once a week or something along those lines too. Yeah. Hey, music is therapeutic regardless of what kind it is, you know, it definitely is. Listen to it, play in it, whatever. It definitely is. I mean, you know, you could have, you know, Slayer to to me, there's an outlet there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Just as much as something that's played nice and soft that helps relax you, you know, you kind of need it in every direction at times, you know, whether it's getting some aggressions out or letting go or, you know what I mean? Like, um, so I I remember reading something that one of uh, the other folks that do the therapeutic music, you know, said that one of the patients wanted some heavy metal, you know. And it might have been one of my instructors telling me this. I can't remember exactly who it was. And and so her question was, is that heavy metal therapeutic? Do you think that's therapeutic? You know, and of course, we had mixed reactions in the class. There are some folks there that that didn't feel like heavy metal was therapeutic at all. But um, her end answer was, yes, it's therapeutic. It's what that patient needed at that time. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, and and it is, you know, it's a it's a it's a release for somebody and um, it helps them feel better, takes them out of that place that they're at for a little while. Uh, so yeah, it's a highly personal thing, man. That's it is. Yeah. Everybody has their own completely unique style. And <laughs> that's why I, I used to like give a lot, a lot of people a hard time and I still will once in a while jokingly. But I like if you listen to. I don't know, top 40 adult contemporary, you know, like Justin Bieber, um, you know, pop music like that. But yeah. honestly, I don't give a crap what you listen to. You, you do you. I mean, <laughs> that have, it, it affects me zero what you listen to. So, That's right. But yeah. I still like have fun with it once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Especially if you listen to Taylor Swift, because I mean, come on, really? <laughs> She's written two songs, her, oh, three songs her whole career. One about a boy who she liked that didn't like her back. One about a boy that she liked and did like her, and then one about a boy that broke up with her. That's it. That's just those three songs. Written those three songs like a hundred times over. <laughs> hey, well, she's got one on Elvis. Yeah. You know. True. Because he didn't write any of his. <laughs> Good point. But he but, is a. But he's credited as with a writing credit on every one of them. He's made it. He's made them his. I can tell you that. You know. Oh, definitely. That guy was a bolt of lightning, you know. I mean, he brought personality and, and energy, you know, that's for sure. Yeah, he was uh, one of those that just caught fire right off the bat. And it's just one of those rare occurrences that doesn't happen very often. But it does happen every once in a blue moon. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. I well, love me smell this every once in a while, you know. 
I can't say I listen to Taylor Swift, but, <laughs> I, you know, probably if I did, I probably would find something out of her albums that I would like, you know? Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, same thing. I mean, I've heard a couple of her songs that, like, they're kind of catchy little tunes, but they're nothing, like, really complex about them they're pretty basic simple you know the premise wise anyway they're yeah. pretty simplistic premise you know but they're they're a lot of fun you know there's a lot of bands like that there's not they're not trying to be deep they're just trying to be fun i mean like yeah. one of my guilty pleasure acts you may laugh but it was lmfao do you remember those guys yeah the son son and grandson of barry gordy as it turns out <laughs> <laughs> and they were co- there was nothing at all even remotely close to serious in their lyrics. It was all just silly. And it was made to listen to at the club, but it somehow yeah. got played on the actual radio, and I kind of liked it. I, <laughs> I, I actually enjoyed listening to them some. So. I do think Taylor Swift is a Pennsylvania girl, but uh, not from right around this area, I don't think. She lives in Oklahoma, last I knew, but I don't know where she's from originally. I think she, I think I read that she is from Pennsylvania originally, but I, I don't hold me to that. I, I could very well be, for all I know. <laughs> I'm no. sure there's some Swifties out there that want to hearing this and go, oh my God, no, she's not from there. She's from Muskogee <laughs> or whatever. Like, Sorry, I didn't know. I don't keep up. Muskogee, <laughs> Oklahoma, USA, huh? <laughs> exactly. We don't smoke marijuana <laughs> in the Skokie. That's the one. <laughs> well, Brad, yeah. I'm going to have to wrap this up here. But we've been going on for about 45 minutes now that we've actually been recording, not counting the 20 or so minutes before. That. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Well, hey, nice wrapping with you. And, uh, Absolutely, you know, man. We've got to do it again. Yeah, we'll do it again. Uh, I hope I hit on some points and stuff like that, uh, you know, for your – for some of your listeners and stuff like that. And maybe they can relate or maybe they can take something away. You know, like there's, I said, I, there's surely a few nuggets in there. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I seriously believe that anybody that wants to be successful, if you put the work into it, you, you can be. And I guess that's, that depends also on how you measure success. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want a record deal and you want to be filthy, rich rock star, you got to get out there and pay your dues and do it. I mean, you got to go to cities and play. But then there's uh, other people that just want to be able to go play a gig on the weekends and make, you know, 50, yeah. 60 grand a year and just live decently, you know, just in a small little apartment and there, and that's all they need. And yeah. And if that's what and you want. Do it. That's that's right. That's still successful. You know. Exactly. It's success um, is relative. Yep. So. It's, all right, man. That sounds good. All right, Brad. Well, thank you again for having, uh, for coming on and shoot me links to you, all your stuff when we get done here, so I can uh, I can link up your Facebook pages you were telling me about for your project you're working on and such like that. For sure, I for surely will. Yep. Thank you, Bill. Ah, right, Brad. We'll talk to you soon, man. Yep. Later, man. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Autonomy Talent Podcast. We greatly appreciate you taking the time to listen, and I hope you found a few things you could take away from it. Be sure to subscribe and follow us wherever you happen to hang out on social media. We're all over the place. Just look up Autonomy Talent on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn. You name it, we're probably there. So until next time, 
be sure to always live intentionally.